0: Welcome to Gita Wisdom. I'm your host, Joshua Green. It's verse 6 of the third chapter. So here, here's what the Sanskrit sounds like. You know, these verses are usually sung. Karmendriyani samyamya Yaaste One who restrains the senses of action but whose mind dwells on sense objects, certainly deludes himself, and is called a pretender. So let me read that again. One who restrains the senses of action, so we're acting, but we're artificially holding back, but whose mind dwells on sense objects, so artificially renouncing the world, but we're still in the world and we're attached to the world, we're engaged with the world, certainly deludes himself and is called a pretender. So the, the commentary says, there are many pretenders who refuse to work in Krishna consciousness. This phrase is used by Prabhupada in the Gita to mean one who is always fixed in a relationship with the Supreme. One who's achieved an awareness of that inner self, the eternal self. There are many pretenders who refuse to work in Krishna consciousness, but make a show of meditation while actually dwelling within the mind upon sense enjoyment. So making a show of spiritually being renounced and detached, but still very much a worldly person. Such pretenders may also speak on dry philosophy in order to bluff sophisticated followers. But according to this verse, These are the greatest cheaters. For sense enjoyment, one can act in any capacity of the social order, but if one follows the rules and regulations of his particular status, he can make gradual progress in purifying his existence. But he who makes a show of being a yogi while actually searching for the objects of sense gratification must be called the greatest cheater. Even though he sometimes speaks of philosophy, His knowledge has no value because the effects of such a sinful man's knowledge are taken away by the illusory energy of the Lord. Such pretender's mind is always impure and therefore his show of yogic meditation has no value whatsoever. What's what's happening here is Krishna is recommending to Arjuna keep a firm grip on reality. uh, Have a a clear sense of of who you are. Um, Know yourself know what you really want, and, and don't hide from that. Uh, I lived in ashrams for many years, in full immersion of temple life, ashram life, which meant what, it meant getting up each morning at about four o'clock. Here's a good example. Um, in the mind, when you think about taking a cold shower in the morning, especially in the winter months, there's this is real. Yeah, <laughs> doing it is a lot more manageable than you would think. It's it's invigorating. You know, it wakes you up. It kind of gets the metabolic system going, and you kind of feel alive afterwards. It's 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 not as bad as it thinks. So as you might think it to be. So the image that we have of something and the reality are two different things. That's what Arjuna's going through. He has an image in his mind about what he's got to do. And it's repulsive to him. What happens at the end, I'm giving away the story here, but after this three-hour discussion or however long it took, Arjuna's confidence is restored, his sense of purpose has been restored, the rightness of what he must do has been made clear to him and he accepts it. And he's joyful. Now, if you can imagine being joyful on a battlefield. Um, The other hat that I wear is Holocaust studies. And um, when you uh, speak with um, survivors, from the ultra-Orthodox community, the very deeply believing Jewish community, their definition of heroism is quite different from the more secular perspective. The perspective of the uh, deeply believing Jews is that the true heroes were those who marched into adversity without losing an ounce of their faith. That, um, for example, those in the camps who maintained their religious practices despite being in a concentration camp. Um, And to an extent that we might find very, very difficult to understand. There's one rabbi from Eastern Europe who went into Auschwitz with his wife and I think they had six or seven children. They were all shipped to Auschwitz. And uh, this rabbi had the rather tragic experience of seeing his wife and children walk into the gas chamber. Well, he survived the war and came back to the States And when he talks about life, he talks about every day as a blessing, including the day when he saw his wife and children walking to their death. And that's not the only example. There are many such examples of people for whom the real heroism is not the ability to just defend yourself with weapons but to maintain faith even when all the evidence is to the contrary. That's only possible when you come to a point that is beyond mere ritual. When when the study and the meditation have gone so deep that the self as an eternal being is a palpable presence, not theory, not a nice idea, Not religious teachings, but an actual palpable reality that you sense in your life. From that position, you can encounter any kind of hurdle and have a steady mind. The Sanskrit in Gita is vyavasayatmika buddhi, an intelligence that is steady under all circumstances and nothing throws you. Where you can confront things that would defeat a lesser person would absolutely destroy someone who did not have the benefit of that spiritual training. That's where the true yogic practice can take you, a place beyond fear. So by the end of the Gita, Arjuna has arrived at that place. He's beyond fear now. His fear has departed, it's just evaporated. And what he sees before him is something difficult, painful, but glorious at the same time. Be careful of the kinds of excuses that you give yourself when on first appearance you're confronted with something you just don't want to do. Now there's an admonition in the commentary here, which is the diametric opposite of this, which is someone... Unfortunately, there have been many examples of people who present themselves as teachers, as yoga masters, or whatever, who cause chaos because they're not in control of their senses. They're not living on that level of the Atma, of the eternal self. They're pretending to be a spiritual teacher and it's dangerous. It's not just wrong, immoral, it's dangerous. I don't know how many times I have been witness myself to situations where yoga studios here in the New York area have shut down because there was such malfeasance, such sexual and financial illegalities going on that uh, either legal authorities clamped down and closed the studios or the teachers left in droves because of this kind of taking advantage of of people. You know, when people come to a yoga studio, they're looking for guidance. To betray that confidence is the word. Prabhupada says, is the worst kind of cheating in in his purport, in his commentary here. Uh, His knowledge has no value because it's been taken away by the illusory energy. The illusory energy means maya. The identifying with the external self and the pleasures of the external self. Getting something for me because this is who I am and this benefits me and I like that. That's living in maya, living in an illusion. Anyway, yes?
1: All right, so we have all these things that we're attached to. And later on in the Gita, Krishna says that when we develop a taste for higher activities that those other behaviors and attachments just naturally drop off. Mm-hmm. But like, what if that doesn't happen? <laughs> like <laughs> uh-huh. You're doing all of these activities and reading and chanting, and you still find that you're attached to things, especially with the four regulative principles and like trying to refrain mm-hmm. from those things. Is there a point where you just, I mean, do you just have to say, well, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to just go on with these material things and these bad habits and wait till they naturally fall off? Or if you should restrain yourself from doing those things?
0: Well, let me just describe what Alicia is referring to there when she talks about the four regulative principles in, in the Bhakti tradition, the Bhakti yoga tradition, devotional yoga, to receive initiation into the practice meaning if you're someone who wants to get really serious about it and make it a lifestyle. um, There are certain uh, uh, pledges of uh, behavioral guidelines that one agrees to follow. Um, One is that the diet will be strictly vegetarian because a bhakti yogi would not want to cause more harm to any living creature than necessary. Another principle is uh, that there would be no uh, drugs or intoxicants or alcohol. Um, Those things, dull perceptions, it's the diametric opposite of making commitment to a a progressive spiritual life, a devotional life. So there's a a vow that I I won't indulge in these things anymore, I'm gonna keep myself clean and sharp the third is uh, restraining sexual activity to one's life partner instead of being you know sleeping around you find one partner you stay with that person you make a commitment it's it's a pledge that speaks to the nature of commitment to a relationship and the fourth principle is uh to not gamble, which I don't... So how does gambling get in there? <laughs> you know, can I just kind of stand the other... Um, gambling means not taking unnecessary risks, particularly with money. Money is considered also energy of God, sacred, and should not be dealt with frivolously. shouldn't be careless with money. So those are the four behavioral guidelines that are... Uh, accepted by someone who wants to be initiated into bhakti practice. So now to your question. First of all, be patient. And we've been here a long time. You know, if, if, if we go by the description in the, in the text, the Sanskrit texts, the soul incarnates or reincarnates millions and millions and millions of times before coming to a human form. We've gone through all the evolutionary stages in order to get to a human form where there's finally a sufficiently advanced, developed intelligence to be able to even have a discussion about the Bhagavad Gita. So, our conditioning, our material habits, go go very deep. But the next verse says, on the other hand, if a sincere person tries to control the active senses by the mind, and begins karma yoga, which is action, yogic action, without attachment, he's by far superior. In other words, don't give it up, transform it. If your own selfhood is strong, if your spiritual sense is strong, then you become a model. You actually can go into a very difficult situation and turn that situation around. You don't want to imitate that, you don't want to pretend to be there. That's the point that's being made here. Don't pretend to be more spiritually advanced than you really are. But when you become spiritually advanced, then you don't have to avoid any situation. You'll know how to be. And you're able even to stay in that environment in a way that... How does? I'm not even quite sure what the words would be to say this... There's a kind of instinctive or intuitive sense of balance. You know what's too far. You know where to go and where not to go.
1: So Um, what do you do in the interim when you might have that or Do you have, let's say, one beer and and, and be okay with it?
0: Well, I remember Prabhupada telling someone who said, I'm having a hard time quitting smoking. I smoke a pack a day and I just can't give it up. He said, Well, try smoking half a pack a day. I mean, he was very practical about it. You know, Mm -hmm. making an effort actually builds a kind of self confidence. Yeah. Um, And the verse you were referring to that comes later in the Gita, where Krishna says that uh, you can distance yourself from sensual pleasures and other distractions even though the taste is still there, by experiencing a higher taste. In other words, it's not this, you know, teeth-gritting, mind-searing, gut-rending, horrifically difficult, you know, enslavement to just wanting to be away from... it's quite natural. It's a very, very natural transfer of energies and interests. As you cultivate devotional life, the taste for those other things fall away, falls away naturally. You don't have to belabor it, you don't, it's, it doesn't have to be this horrible thing. Now how do you get there? Well, you, in stages, you know. It starts by having a discussion like this, and then it starts by doing the chanting. An, an actual mantra, you know, the, uh, the traditional mantras, not in something invented, but a, a mantra that has withstood the test of time, is a, is a sound it's a vibration that stimulates consciousness sound sound is very powerful my wife uh, is in the jewelry business I've seen machines that clean jewelry with sound you put a piece of jewelry in a, a, a liquid medium and then they in, in, inject sound a, a, a sound wave into it and it cleanses the jewelry so mantras are like that they they, they in, cleanse the heart. They cleanse consciousness. And when chanted sincerely, with that intent of wanting to reawaken one's relationship with creation, the Krishna mantra is particularly uh, recommended and used in the bhakti practice because it is a completely selfless Call to the supreme being for engagement and devotion.
1: So, what are you saying?
0: Uh, The the Krishna mantra has three words to it: Hare Krishna and Rama. The word Hare is the vocative case of the word Hara or Radha. Now, in this painting that you see there, Radha is the feminine divinity. So, the first invocation in the Krishna mantra is to the Goddess. We're saying, Hare, my dear Radha, my dear devotion personified, um, kindly engage me in service to Krishna, the Supreme Being. The name Krishna is a universal name for God, or the Supreme Being, meaning the All-Attractive One. So it's not Hindu, it's not Indian, it's not Eastern, uh, it's not religious. It's a word that describes that the source of all creation is pure beauty. Awaken in me my knowledge of myself as an eternal being. The Krishna mantra says, kindly allow me to live from that platform where I am again my own pure eternal self, my best self, and engage me in service to God. Allow me to be of some value in this world by being a conduit for that love. It's a very powerful and very beautiful mantra. And the word Rama is the ultimate joy, the ultimate pleasure that comes from being in that place. So Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. If if you have a sense, an intuition, or you're convinced from classes or readings or discussions or whatever, that this is real, that uh, it's not just theoretical. That I'm more than, you know, wave functions and and oscillating molecules and, and, and particles. You know, there's more to me than my material self. And I wanna know that person. I wanna know that guy. Because that guy strikes me as really cool. You know, someone who is eternal, fully self-aware, joyful, and just a pleasure to be with (laughs) wherever he goes, (laughs) I'd like to get to know that part of me. Mm -hmm. That's worth some sacrifice. You know, nothing good is achieved without some sacrifice. You don't get a college degree without doing the work, and you don't advance in any profession without studying and getting better at it. So you know, it's it's not to condemn anything, but it's to say if your purpose is to get to that higher place, certain activities are beneficial and supportive of that, and other activities are less so.
1: It is just hard, you know, in in in, in our world and, and you know look, look let's, let's
0: let's let's kind of put this on a realistic footing. It's not for everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's
0: that's that simple. What's not for everybody? Going the straight and narrow, following all the behavioral guidelines, Mm -hmm. um, you know, chanting sixteen rounds every day on beats, its not for everybody. Not everyone's prepared for that. If you want to get where the Gita is indicating, at some point you got to do it. You 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 got to step up to the plate. I
1: would think the more you study it. It and, and the more that's, it with you, That's the point. Then you... All right, now
0: you said the right thing. You just drop your... You lose the, your taste. M- yeah. The more you study it, the more you become convinced that, boy, th- <coughs> this this is speaking to me. Yeah. You know, this isn't just some detached course of study or something. This says, I'm involved in this. Mm-hmm. The more you get to that point... The more you prepare to to make some sacrifice for it. And I can tell you from experience that the more you do that, that's when the good stuff starts happening. You, you, You can't get to the point where you're experiencing what that spiritual higher taste or higher vibration is all about until you move away. So even if it's just theoretical, try it for a week. Just try it for a week. See what it's like? Chant on beats for one week. There, there's no rule that fits everybody about how to you know, clean up your act. Everyone has his or her own timetable. Everyone has his or her own conscience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you know, if you're going to make a change, make a change that you can stick to. You know, that's the whole point of this verse. Don't pretend. Thank you for listening to Gita Wisdom. For more information, please visit gitawisdom.org.